This is Death Watch, the monthly podcast where we eulogize one of the greats uh, who has recently passed by watching some of their work that we weren't previously familiar with. My name is Matt Brown. And I'm Matthew Grace. Uh, great. Yeah, you are. I am? Yeah. I am? I've confirmed. Okay. Yes. Uh, we're recording this episode on the 24th of October, 2019, and it's going to be in your feed tomorrow. I guess I didn't uh, plan ahead on my own editing time. I'll be doing that later tonight oh, good. as we get <laughs> set up. Uh, today we're covering the groundbreaking actress, singer, and activist Diane Carroll, who died at the beginning of this month at the age of 84. Uh, per the conventions of our program, I watched uh, Claudine, the 1974 film, for the first time. And you watched, what did you watch? So I, uh, I really watched two, but I think the one I want to talk about is Hurry Sundown. Oh, great. From 19... 19- 67 or 8 uh, but I also watched uh, Carmen Jones which was her debut oh oh uh, and both films directed by Otto Preminger fantastic so, alright yeah but well, I'll, I'll primarily talk about Hurry Sundown I think okay tremendous uh, some info about Diane Carroll to get things started born in the Bronx she grew up in Harlem and she would say of her lead role in Claudine, which is the film I'm talking about, that uh, she uh, she knew this woman, having grown up alongside people who would go on to live out Claudine's uh, welfare existence day to day. She was a classmate of Billy D. Williams in high school. Uh, she took music, dance, and modeling classes with her parents' full support. She began modeling for Ebony Magazine at the age of 15. She had uh, both her film debut and her Broadway debut in 1954. I assume the uh, the film debut is what you're going to be uh, talking about. Yes. Uh, her Broadway debut was in a production of House of Flowers. Uh, the following year, she also had her first uh, role on television, a guest role on the uh, in an episode of Peter Gunn. Her 1968 uh, performance in Julia, the television series Julia, was the first American television series to star a black woman not playing a domestic worker, so it was a hugely groundbreaking role there. Uh, she was nominated for an Academy Award for the for Claudine, the film I'll be discussing. It's also worth noting that the film and the role uh, were written for the actress Diana Sands, who passed away shortly before filming began, and is reputed to have asked on her deathbed if the producers had sent for Diane yet. She knew that this was a that her death was a possibility, and she mm. had apparently already mentally decided that Diane Carroll was the logical successor to her for the role. Wow. Uh, in the 80s, uh, Carol played Dominique Devereaux, the self-described first black bitch on television on Dynasty. She sure was. She sure oh, was. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. I we, was watching some clips from that on YouTube. You? Oh, man. Oh, what? We'll talk about that. Great shit. Yeah. Um, she was nominated for an Emmy for her recurring role on A Different World, and she also had what I consider to be a truly excellent cameo in Cass- Casey Lemon's uh, debut, Eve's Bayou. Mm-hmm. She was married four times. She also carried on a nine-year affair with Sidney Poitier. In the While he was married. Which is, yes, yeah. yes extramarital and, affair. Yeah. It's too hot to even think about. Well, we'll talk. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, but, uh, and and uh, that affair, when I read about that, let's, yeah. we'll get to that. But yeah. that is astounding because that is one of those affairs where Poitier the entire time is like, I, I'm going to leave, gonna my, leave wife. my wife. I'm going to leave my wife. I will leave her. Yeah. And then he never does. No, it never does. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we'll discuss some of her work in a few minutes. But before we do that, hey, roll call. It- I guess, yeah. Holy I mean, shit. he's 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 up there. Lando yeah, is eighty-four. I know. Well, he. I was reading the making of the Empire Strikes Back this week because that's just how I spent my spare time, and he was already like forty when he was making that. Movie. I knew he was older than, yeah. than Harrison Ford, but yeah, that's, yeah. yeah wow, yeah. He's older than Alec Guinness was. Uh, oh, substantially. I mean, Guinness was only like fifty-seven when they made the first Star yeah. Wars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
I mean, McGregor will be crawling up on Guinness Age when they finally make this Kenobi show. We're not living hard enough. <laughs> clearly. Yeah, clearly. All right. Yeah. Speaking of living hard enough. Yeah. Uh, roll call. So this, of course, is the uh, monthly feature on our show where we just talk about all the other people that have passed away since the last time that we did the show. That's right. Um, and not all of them, as, as you are probably aware, that would be well into the thousands of people. So it's really just mm-hmm. the ones that I collectively like to talk about. Yeah. Imagine if we did everybody. Everyone. We've probably done this, this joke on the show before, but like, imagine if, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. At the beginning of the episode, we're going to do 100,000 yeah. names. But only by first name. That's right. <laughs> Dave, Bob, dead. Sam, right. Billy. Lucy is dead. <laughs> Shawanda is dead. And the show's like 45 <laughs> yeah. hours. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's awful. All right. Uh, so let's get to it. Um, so right off the hop, the first thing that I saw that caught my eye was, was uh, American ventriloquist Jimmy Nelson, who... You will not know that name. No. I did not know that name, mm-hmm. but he w- was the ventriloquist whose character was Farfel the dog. Oh, which if you do you know Farfel the dog? No, but I know they named Farfel on yes. Seinfeld after, after Farfel, Farfel the, the dog. dog. Farfel yeah. was this dog pitch man who sold uh, 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 Nestle chocolate syrup. No kidding. Yes, hmm. and he would sing. The Nestle chocolate syrup jingle, which is forever in my brain. And if you go on YouTube and watch it, this was he was like probably the first celebrity character pitch man on hmm. television. Wow. Um, so like predates all the serial characters and all of those. And he used to sing N-E-S-T-L-E-S, Nestle's makes the very best mm-hmm. chocolate. And that was his little Jingle and that, but there were hundreds of these commercials, and he was quite famous. Anyone your parents' age or older mm-hmm. will be like, oh, "I know that dog, the right. Nestle dog." Right. So that anyway, he died. He was ninety. Damn it. Yeah, died uh, complications from a stroke. Wow. Surprisingly, uh, yeah. And what did his performer die of? Uh, the the dog. He's still going. Um, uh, Mordecai Gerstein, who uh, was eighty three, was an American artist and illustrator. Uh, illustrated a book called Something Queer is Going On, but then also was the writer of The Man Who Walked Between the Towers, which is the book about... Oh. Yeah. So... Um, yeah. Yeah. So that's the children's book about the um, the guy that... The Man on uh, Wire guy. Man on Wire guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, French politician Jacques Chirac mm-hmm. passed away at the beginning of this month. Uh, he was 86. He was mayor of Paris. I did not know that. He started... He was the mayor of Paris. Then he became prime minister. Uh, actually, he was prime minister first from 74 to 76, then, I guess, was defeated, ran and successfully became mayor of Paris for uh, quite a while, mm-hmm. like 77 to 95. Jesus. Yeah. Uh, and then in 95, became the president until 2007. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah. Uh, American uh, film historian and writer Rudy Belmer. Doesn't ring a bell? No. Rudy Belmer is... Uh, other than uh, the guy from TCM, mm-hmm. he's the other guy that they would go to. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's just a, a quick uh, selection of the of the DVD commentaries that Rudy, you can hear Rudy Belmer on. Um, Adventures of Don Juan, Adventures of Robin Hood, uh, Captain from Castile, Casablanca, Frankenstein, Gone with the Wind, Gunga Din, How the West Was Won, Notorious, Singing in the Rain. A Streetcar Named Desire, 12 O'Clock High, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, and Yankee Doodle Dandy. Geish. So not a lightweight. No, wow. Uh, yeah. So I've probably listened to him on uh, 
Robin Hood Un- and Casablanca. Undoubtedly, yeah. 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 And I've been meaning to pick up the Gunga Din DVD for a while. Yeah, that movie is racist and entertaining as fuck. It's unbelievably fun to yeah. watch, and and we will talk more about things that are fun to watch and yet very racist later in this show. Oh, terrific. Uh, <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that's a thing that if you like old movies, you hit you're going to have place. to feel okay with that. Yeah, um, I finally watched, uh, kind, speaking of Alec Guinness, I finally watched Kind Hearts and Coronets for the first oh, time. That movie is terrific. And then in is. the last five minutes, you're like, yeesh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. That last five minutes is where uh, the first time we watched it, my wife turned to me and said, oh, I've seen this. <laughs> I was my favorite. <laughs> On like our second date, <laughs> we watched the entire movie and then she went, oh, I've seen this. Yeah. Well, yeah. I can see why that would be the part that would stick out. <laughs> sure. My memoirs. Yeah. Uh, uh, Wayne Fitzgerald uh, was an American main title designer. He had a career oh, span yeah, 55 yeah. years, close to a thousand motion picture and television main and end title sequences. For directors like Coppola, Houston, Mike Nichols, Robert Redford, Roman Polanski, Warren Beatty, Michael Cimino, you get the point. John Hughes, Quentin Tarantino. Mm-hmm. So again, I just because I can't believe these people's filmographies, I'm just going to quickly whip through some of the highlights here. He did titles for The Music Man, My Fair Lady, uh, In the Heat of the Night, Bonnie and Clyde, Cool Hand Luke, Rosemary's Baby, uh, Godfather Part Two, Cuckoo's Nest. Deer Hunter, Greece. So he did the high school yearbook end titles in Greece. He did yeah. not do the animated beginning titles in Greece. But those end titles are something. Significant. They're terrific. Yeah. Uh, Nine to Five, Tootsie, Vacation, The Big Chill, Terms of Endearment, A River Runs Through It, Scent of a Woman. He ended his career with Waterworld. <laughs> Footloose, Dick Tracy, Ghost. It goes on and on and on. Oh, tremendous. Uh, yeah. Uh, Jesse Norman. 74, yeah. uh, diva, American soprano, and international o- opera star. Mm-hmm. Um, Very I'm, rare woman of color in the uh, in the American opera scene. Yeah. Unbelievably charismatic. Yeah. And I don't like opera like, no. at all. Uh, and, like, yeah, incredible. Mm-hmm. I think she's one of the, along with Pavarotti, sort of the definitive Nessun Dorma mm-hmm. recordings are, is, are hers. And, uh, and the other thing about this, just uh, tragic, is she died from... Uh, multiple causes following a, a pretty severe spinal cord injury in 2015. Mm-hmm. So not a you know not a fun thing. Um, Hal Guthrie, uh, 82, American restaurateur and founder of Guthrie's, and I I pulled this out because Guthrie's is a a fast food regional fast food restaurant uh, that specializes only. In chicken strips, I think hmm. that's their only thing. I have well, to. That's all you need. I, <laughs> it's the only fast food restaurant, Guthrie's Chicken, uh, that that really only sells uh, chicken fingers and fries. That's mm-hmm. it. That's all they sell. That's perfect. Uh, and then and you get some white bread. I'm like, where is this <laughs> restaurant? I have to go to this restaurant. It Fantastic. So anyway, he was 92. He founded the chain. There are, there are hundreds of locations, apparently. Um, so yeah, uh, Eric Pleskow, who was president of United Artists and co-founded Orion, um, under his, uh, when he was at UA, they won the Academy Award for Best Picture three years in a row for Cuckoo's Nest, Rocky, and Annie Hall. Hmm. Then 
along with many other executives from UA, they formed Orion Pictures as a protest due to the entirely constant interference from Transamerica Corporation, <laughs> which could not lay their hands off of United Artists. Um, so he established $100 million in financing for Orion, including distribution through Warner Brothers. He, wa uh, he was president and CEO and held that post until 1991. They produced Amadeus, Dances with Wolves, and Silence of the Lambs under his uh, tutelage. Yeah, man. Orion yeah. was some serious shit. Yeah, when that when that thing would spin, yeah. when the stars would spin, I'd mm -hmm. be like, oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Same thing right. with the Pegasus and TriStar. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah man, this yeah. is a good time. Yep. Uh, Kimberly Diane Kim Shattuck, uh, lead singer and guitarist, songwriter of the band The Muffs. Uh, um, so by all accounts, a, a, an important person on the, I think, the local Toronto mm -hmm. uh, music scene. Um, uh, I, oh, comedy died, at least according to Todd, uh, what's his name from that shitty Joker movie. Yeah, Jesus uh, Christ. And then, apparently, I mean, too hard to make comedy. This couldn't no. have been done better. I mean, David Harbour shows up a week later and he's like, you think comedy's dead? Watch this. And he does the Grouch trailer for Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's Knocks probably it the, the best work they've done on that show in a year. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so comedy's yeah. doing fine, Todd. Yeah. And there were other sketches on that show that were really good, too. It was a good episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Roger uh, Talibert, 93, a French architect. Uh, he was the architect of uh, Montreal Olympic Stadium. Hmm. So he, uh, he had complications from a fall. Um, and uh, they buried him, but then the top of his coffin kept coming open, and then they couldn't close it again, and they opened it, and they couldn't close it. So uh, We have fun on this show. <laughs> That's why I like to do the show. Yeah, yeah. Um, Canadian politician John Buchanan, who was an MLA and premier of Nova Scotia from 1978 to 1990. Uh, Philip Gipps, uh, American graphic designer and film poster artist, did the posters for Alien, yeah. Rosemary's Baby, and uh, Downhill Racer, which has a phenomenal poster. Downhill Racer is a good movie. It is a good anyway, movie. Anyway, yeah. But, yeah. God, yeah, good poster. Yeah. yeah. Uh, English Hall of Fame drummer Ginger Baker. Passed away. He was eighty. Uh, Ginger Baker was the drums uh, in the probably, arguably the first supergroup, Cream, mm -hmm. along with Eric Clapton. Uh, he was in Blind Faith, and his own band, Ginger Baker's Air Force. And uh, there is a phenomenal documentary about what a maniac he was, uh, um, called "Beware of Mr. Baker," yeah. which came out a couple of years ago, right towards the tail end of his life, and it's well worth checking out because cool. he was. Dangerous and insane. And, I love maniacs. And wonderful, he's a maniac. Um, uh, Masaichi Kaneda, or Kaneda. I don't. I'm probably mispronouncing this. Mm. Maybe you want to take a whack Kaneda. at it. Kaneda. I mean, the weird thing about. I mean, it's not weird. Just the natural thing about Japanese is there's very little stress on a syllable unless they say it specifically. Right. So if there's no character over any of the vowels, it's yeah. Kaneda. So that's what it is. Yeah. Then. Masaichi Kaneda. Uh, he was a professional uh, baseball player, pitcher, mm -hmm. uh, one of the best-known pitchers in Japanese baseball history. He was a swaggering player with a quirky warm-up. Um, uh, he set pitching records for wins, 400 wins. Yeesh. Wow. Strikeouts, 4,490 innings, 5,526 and two-thirds innings pitched, and losses, 298. He was inducted into the Japanese Baseball Hall of Fame in 1988. Cool. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of wins and losses. That's yeah, 700 decisions. Well, that's doing the work yeah. right there. Uh, Rip Taylor, American comedian. Oh, yeah, yeah. And wonderful. I miss him so much. If you don't know who Rip Taylor is, he was flamboyantly 
gay and out in a way that probably not very many people were. And he would come on talk shows with a bag of confetti and throw it at the audience <laughs> and run around. <laughs> and he was so funny. Mm. Um, uh, Richard Pfeiffer, uh, 70, uh, American LGBT advocate, director of the Chicago, Chicago Gay Pride Parade since 1974. Wow. Yeah. Speaking died, of doing the work. Cancer. No one else has ever been the director of the parade except for him. Wow. Uh, Leroy Earl Fuller, 90, who was a Canadian restaurateur. Uh, you may be familiar with Earl's. Mm -hmm. That's He's the Earl in wow. Earl's. And Joey as the other restaurant that they started. Uh, Alexei uh, Leonov, 85, Soviet cosmonaut, and the first person to walk in space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Sam Bobrick, 87, he was an American TV writer, created Saved by the Bell. <laughs> sure uh, did. Also wrote for Gomer Pyle, USMC, and the Smothers Brothers Comedy Hour. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Forster. Yeah, Robert Passed Forster. This month. We will talk about that more next month. Yep. Um, Mac Christensen, uh, 85. He was an American clothier and president of the Morbin Tabernacle Choir from 2000 to 2012. He and his wife, Joan, had eight children. Uh, and, the, and the reason I, I pulled this out is their son, Steve, a Salt Lake City businessman and document dealer, was murdered by document forger Mark Hoffman in 1985. So, like, you wow. go, oh, President Mormon Tabernacle, this guy seems like a reasonable, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the more you go in, you're like, wow, that's the whole story there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, uh, Woody Flowers, who was an American mechanical engineer. He was 76. Uh, got his doctorate uh, at MIT. Um, he uh, worked on a, a course called Introduction to Design and Manufacturing. It was known by his course, by its course number 2.7. Uh, it was basically the first class where, uh, where the students had to design and build robots to accomplish a given challenge. Uh, he took over the class in 1974. It became one of the most popular classes at MIT. He, he would change the challenges every year, always trying to make it more complex and exciting. Basically, the competition in this course started to be referred to as MIT's homecoming game. Hmm. So it was, it, and it wound up being televised and like, he, he's uh, one of the fathers of sort of competitive robotics. Hmm. Uh, Stephen Moore was an English actor. He was on British TV in the mid-1970s. He was known for his very distinctive uh, speaking voice in a wide range of roles, but most notably as Marvin the Android in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy right. radio adaptation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he also appeared uh, as the Silurian Eldane in the Series 5 uh, Doctor Who episode, Cold Blood. Um, oh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, John Giorno, who was a poet... Uh, but most famously, he starred in the Andy Warhol movie Sleep. Hmm. He is the guy who is sleeping for eight hours. Right. Yeah. And now he's sleeping for, uh, for significantly ever. longer. And there's yeah. no movie of it. That's right. Yeah. Well, not yet. No. Uh, this I put this in because sometimes Wikipedia gives up a gift. Sure. Uh, so this guy, Richard William Huckle, he was a convicted British serial sex offender he has been described as one of Britain's worst ever pedophiles. Wait, 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 wait. Are you telling me that someone named Dick Huckle was a yes. sex offender? Dick Huckle, sex offender. <laughs> it sounds like Fred Garvey, male prostitute, but yes. It really does. Dick Garvey. Dick, uh, Dick Huckle. Dick Garvey. Dick Garvey. Dick, <laughs> Dick Huckle, sex offender. Yeah. One of the worst pedophiles alongside uh, Robert Black, Sidney Cookie, and Watkins, and Jimmy Savile. Boy, they got a lot of pedophiles mm -hmm. over in the U.K., um, anyway, I, everywhere, really. despite being only 28 years old at the time he was arrested, still one of the worst in history. Wow. 
Uh, he was given 22 life sentences in June 2016. Uh, and of course, as often happens, uh, on the 14th of October this year, he was found stabbed to death in his cell. Mm -hmm. And then the note in Wikipedia, word for word, is, Note 7, this is considered by many to be fucking hilarious. <laughs> now, that was subsequently removed oh, from his page. Of course it was. But I love that I caught it. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> wow. Uh, American literary critic Harold Bloom who I've talked to you about maybe offline of this show, but we'll talk a little bit about him. Mm -hmm. uh, Harold Bloom is the uh, sort of heir apparent to Northrop Fry and the Western canon white old European guy. Okay. He is the guy who argued most strenuously for the Western canon being superior, mm -hmm. uh, of which most people would conclude that he was wrong. But he's also incredibly eloquent, great writer. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the books that sort of cover this are The Western Canon, Books in School of the Ages, and The Anxiety of Influence. But the reason that he's important, at least to me, is because of another book that he wrote called Shakespeare, The Invention of the Human, which uh, is, in fact, absolutely still a, a very in impressive piece of work where he basically takes all the plays that Shakespeare wrote. Mm -hmm. And his argument is that before Shakespeare, humanity didn't actually define itself the way it did after Shakespeare. Sure. Uh, and the book is, I would highly recommend it mm -hmm. to go seek it out, especially if you do like Shakespeare's plays, because it 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 makes a, a very cogent argument that without Shakespeare, there's no Freud and there's no modern understanding of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, and he was 89, uh, a, you know, a, a giant in, mm -hmm. in many ways, and also a controversial and maybe, like, not-so-well-liked figure in others. Right. Um, uh, Scotty Bowers, another person who was uh, uh, the subject of a recent documentary. He was 96 uh, and was a quite well-known and famous Hollywood pimp and sex worker. Uh, fought in the Battle of Iwo Jima when he got home from the war. He started working at gas stations, and that became a way to meet men who wanted to pay him uh, for sex. Uh, he he subsequently worked as a party bartender. He he claims he provided prostitutes to Alfred Kinsey, both male and wow. primarily female. Um, cinematographer Nestor Almen Alamendros bequeathed him his Oscar. <laughs> what? So, yeah. So he was well-connected. Wow. The quote about him is a quote that I want on my own tombstone. Mm -hmm. uh, here's the quote from someone who was writing about him. He's the subject of a documentary from 2017 called Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. Mm -hmm. um, the quote is, he's a poor kid from a farm in Illinois, and when he got here, his two assets were his big penis and charming personality. That's what he used to feed his family. <laughs> and you want that on your tombstone? I do. Okay. His All right. His uh, his two assets were his big penis and charming personality. Mm -hmm. I want mm -hmm. that on my yeah. Neither right. of those is true. That's why I want it on my grave. Well, yeah, I mean, I think yeah. that's great. We can do anything you want after you're dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Congressman Elijah Cummings, mm -hmm. sixty eight, complications from a heart infection. Uh, he was the ranking minority member in the in the Benghazi inquiry. He was the chair of the oversight committee. He presided over the first uh, public testimony by Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen. He was, uh, a, the quote for him is a champion for the poor and downtrodden. Uh, he strove through decades of service to bring justice and dignity to greater numbers in this world and, an, mm -hmm. uh, you know, an incredible person and a huge loss for the um, American Congress. For sure. Uh, 
uh, actor Bill Macy. So let's be clear, not, not actor William H. Macy, William who, H. Is, Macy. who is not dead, although mm-hmm. wishes he was every time he visits his wife in prison. Of course. Uh, Bill Macy uh, was the played the husband on Maud. Yeah. And uh, was also in Analyze This. He was one of the cronies in the retirement home on Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. He, uh, he was in The Jerk. Uh, an absolutely great, cranky, wonderful character actor. Uh, we're almost at the end. Just a couple more here. So uh, Nick Toshes, who was an American journalist, novelist, biographer, and poet, uh, he wrote the 1982 biography of Jerry Lee Lewis, Hellfire, which was called by Rolling Stone magazine the best rock and roll biography ever written. Mm-hmm. Um so, okay. Uh, oh, also, uh, just a little political news. So, other dead things. The Trans Mountain Pipeline and Andrew Shear's political career. Uh, if only. Yeah. If also, only. Uh, fuck Maxine Bernier. Just fuck him. Yeah, that guy uh, sucks. Oh, he sucks. Oh, my All God. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <sighs> uh, okay. Um, John M. Downs, who was a courtroom sketch artist mm-hmm. for for... I don't know, let's call it 50-plus years for the Chicago Daily News and the Chicago Sun-Times. As a, as a sketch artist, he covered many famous trials, including the Chicago 7. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and uh, second last, third last, but okay. not least, Chris the Merino Sheep. Chris was a Merino Sheep who wandered away and was found living feral in New South Wales they estimate that he hadn't been shorn in over like 10 years. I'm just going to show you a picture wow. of this sheep that looks like a pear. He's mm-hmm. like a cone mm-hmm. of wool and there's like a before and after where it just looks like there's no way that tiny that huge animal became that tiny one. And he's dead. He died. 9. Wow. He was 9. Okay. Uh Gustav Gerneth, who was 114, he was a German supercentenarian and at the time that he died just recently, he was the world's oldest man. Mhm. 114. I just feel like a lot of these world oldest people die around 114, 115, 116. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the age. Yeah. So my thing is, who's fucking murdering all these people? Yeah. Um, and what is it about that specific age? Yeah, that it's obviously that very upsetting. Crazy. Yeah, like what is they it? seek them out yeah. and murder them? I was like, clearly, oh, this fuckers not yeah. getting to one one five. And then the last death knell is, uh, according at least from just right now, very current, but apparently high frame rates. They're dead. Oh yeah, that's over. Yeah. yeah. If we can go briefly, Mamo, uh, between the uh, the absolute tanking of Gemini Man and the fact that Jim Cameron has now completely walked back the idea that the Avatar it's second interesting. and third films. The quote, the quote from Cameron is really interesting. I don't know if it can be selectively applied within a film because what he seemed to suggest was yeah. that's what he wanted to do, is only apply it in certain key shots. Yeah. Which, again, if that's how they had used it all along, I would have been all in favor of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know if that's actually no, it doesn't a make any thing sense. that projectors do. And also, you know, the, the projectors don't exist to do it anyway, right. so it doesn't right. matter. But, I mean, it's one of those things where if Cameron had the confidence that he had in 3D 10 years ago, he would have said, fuck you, theaters, you're adapting. And instead he's saying, well, we just won't do it. So I yeah, guess that I means mean, we're staying at 24 frames a second, I guess, which, by the I way, don't, is fine with me. I don't really disagree with his point, though. Like, he... I think, I hope, it's just a considered decision based on going, yeah, this doesn't actually look that good for these regular scenes where people are just yeah. talking. Well, it doesn't. it doesn't. It right? doesn't. Like, yeah. th- anytime someone goes hog wild for one of these new technologies, I'm always like, what is it that you're seeing that I'm not? 
Yeah. Like, what was Peter Jackson seeing that I'm not yeah. about, like, yeah. a scene of the dwarves hanging out in a cabin? Right. It's like, this yeah. looks ridiculous, yeah. you know? But he's bang on about, if you're trying to do whip pans and yeah. stuff in 3D, it's Beyond hard. Beyond question. Yeah. Beyond question. Yeah. Well, but, I mean, honestly, with digital projection, I don't know if you know, you probably have, with digital projection, it's hard anyway. 3D is, doesn't even enter into it. You do fast motion in a 2K projection right now. Yeah, you, you do a whip pan. And, yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you don't, you don't yeah. get any detail out of that anyway. I think it's digital. I don't think it's 3D. Yeah. Um, All right, back to the show. Back to the show. <laughs> guys, guys, back to the show. Can we talk about Diane Carroll? Yeah, yeah let's I would do it. love that. Would you yeah. like to start? No, I, I. well, did you when you were doing your research, did they talk at all about her Broadway? Because that's kind of like her other career. Yeah. And that was where she was probably even more lauded than For sure. in film and TV. And well, I just don't know. I didn't, unfortunately, see enough other than the fact that I know she won the Tony and she was the youngest or the mm-hmm. first black lead actress to win the Tony. Probably both. Uh, maybe both. Yeah. Anyway, that I, I think... The reason I ask is because, at least in the two films I saw, what I saw was someone who wasn't totally entirely comfortable with acting on film. Um, hmm. uh, and, and when are yours? More, yours one of yours was her debut. Yeah, and, and then the second and one, actually, 67? more so in the okay. one in '67, because in the debut it's a musical. Right. So there's already a certain level of stylization that kind of can be absorbed mm-hmm. uh, in the in that film, Carmen Jones, which I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's it's Bizet's Carmen mm-hmm. with with Bizet's score, but with new lyrics and a new story written by Oscar Hammerstein II. Right. So it's it takes the story of Carmen and overlays it onto uh, a black uh, military outpost during World War II. Uh, where people are are falling in love and getting ready to mm-hmm. go away, and Carmen and like that, um, and the Toreador is replaced by a boxer, and it's like it's very like it it maps onto the story of Carmen just fine. Right. The problem being that it's turns out to be about uh, Harry Belafonte becoming insanely jealous and murdering someone for not wanting to have sex with him. Sure. Which you know may have been okay. Yeah. At the time. But is a little hard to watch now. Of course. Um, and the last thing I will say about about Carmen Jones uh, is that apart from Diane Carroll's supporting performance in it, which is fine and lovely, and she's very funny and cute, and it's a very small per, uh, um, part, mm-hmm. uh, Harry Belafonte in 1954 is a fucking snack. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I tend to think Harry Belafonte literally right up to the Spike Lee movie last year yeah. was a fucking snack. Yeah. Like, that guy, I love that guy. Yeah, um, but like he but yeah. has his shirt off in some of these scenes, and I was like, whoo, mm-hmm. yikes. Yeah, yeah he's, he's appealing. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, that's, but even by, but it's it's sort of more pronounced in this Hurry Sundown film in 1967, which mm-hmm. is not well acted all around, but she particularly seems like she's not totally sure how to act for film. So I, I, that's why I was curious about your experience of watching uh, the later movie because yeah. Claudine, because I feel like she must have learned something. No, I, I mean, or I, been directed differently or something. I, I think she's excellent in Claudine, and yeah. I wonder if the experience on TV as the lead in Julia is the is the is the difference, right? Because that quite starts possibly, in '68, yeah. yeah. and then she's yeah. not believe done by '74. Yeah, um, and yeah, she's very. It's quite a good performance. She's yeah. certainly up to. It's interesting. So the the so the movie is about a, a single mother of six, who is on welfare um, in uh, in Harlem, and uh, she has starts a, a romantic relationship with a with a man, and it's just sort of about how that you know pseudo family yeah. kind of comes together. Like she she was married two times in the past. He's got children out of state. 
they are like he's a garbage uh, garbage truck worker, garbage man, uh, and she's uh, she's on welfare and she's not allowed to be employed, but she's secretly working okay. uh, for a white family outside of the city. Um, and you know James Earl Jones plays the man, and he comes in first fifteen minutes, he blows the entire screen away. He is so goddamn big. Like I mean, his performance it's wonderful, it's funny. It's enormous. You know, yeah, he's okay. very much yeah. sucking all of the attention towards himself. And she's just sort of there. She's just sort of steady. You know, she's in the background. She's, yeah. not, she's not failing to hold scenes with him, but like, you know, she's not exactly overmatching him. But then as the movie goes on, she starts to, right? Her performance starts to develop and it begins to sort of absorb the center of the wow. of the narrative in a really impressive way. Yeah, I was going to say, not an easy task. Not an easy task. And, and I mean, yeah. he does back off a little bit, so I yeah. do think there was some directional well, it, intent I mean, it's, there. It, I was going to say, it sounds like that's by design Yeah, uh, in terms of how the movie is structured. For sure. Uh, but yeah. God, this movie is a delight. Like, it is so much fun to watch. It's amazing yeah. to me that it really took until... I mean, I knew about the movie... Be- I mean, this is the weirdest possible connection i knew about the movie because some of james earl jones's lines are used in a very famous star wars parody video from about 10 years ago where they revoiced star wars with other james earl jones performances Ah, okay um so i knew some of the lines uh so i knew that claudine existed but i kind of didn't know that that a movie like this came from the black exploitation era it's not a crime movie in any way like it really is just a social drama i was gonna say does it really even feel like sort of what we would traditionally call black exploitation no i i think it literally was riding the success of the black exploitation craze as being like people want to see uh african-american families on film they want to see these kinds of stories it's um it's a beautifully realized very naturalist very warm-hearted family drama and you know it's what I love how it's completely frank and unashamed about sex. Like she has an extramarital sexual affair that is a you know a, be, a key plot point of this movie. It's not it's not being coy about it. It's like this is something that yep. both of these characters want. Uh, she has children ranging from age eight to eighteen. So puberty and masturbation and sexuality is all you know referenced and it's part of the story. One of the uh. kids gets pregnant. Like it's it, you know I mean it's it's a very nicely realized kind of I mean in the in the classical sense of the term melodrama right like it is a middle class yeah well, not middle class yeah. but like you know it's that it is that kind of you know story and it's really nicely done. It's very entertaining. It's nicely made. All of the performances are very good. Um, so it's just sort of hiding there in plain sight. Yeah. You know long before. What we consider the conventional breakthrough of kind of mainstream American black cinema, uh, it's it's you know it's hiding there, waiting in the in the in what we call the black exploitation era, and it's it's just great. It's terrific. I had a wonderful time watching it, and yeah, I was really impressed by her because at the beginning I was like, oh shit, he's just like he's like he's wiping gonna, the floor with her. Yeah, 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 because yeah. it's James Earl Jones. She's not going to get a word in. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, no, yeah. she absolutely dominates the yeah. picture as it goes along. Yeah, well, Hurry Sundown is not that. Uh, And it is famously not that. I mean, it it was sort of well-known as a bad movie, so I knew that kind of going in. Uh, It is the movie where Michael Caine and Jane Fonda Mm -hmm. are both born and bred in the South. Sure. Michael Caine. You get Michael Caine, and you go, you know what I'm going to cast this guy as? A psychopath Mm -hmm. with a Southern accent. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. all his strengths, really. A bad person you don't like, which is not Michael Caine ever. Nope. Uh, he hits his wife. They. It's a terrible. He's married to Jane Fonda. They are rich and spoiled, and they are trying to cheat a black family who has been ceded some land 
that they used their family used to own. They are trying to cheat them back out of the land so they can sell it to a rich developer. Nice. It is awful in every way imaginable in mm-hmm. that sense. Uh, the Black family is is played uh, pretty wonderfully. Diane Carroll plays the girlfriend of the Black uh, sort of lead in the movie, mm-hmm. um, who I recognize. I can't remember where I recognize from, but also was very familiar to me. Um, and uh, and it's yeah, it's it's crazy to watch. Michael Caine try to carry this movie in a way that he's clearly uncomfortable with. Right. It is very badly <laughs> photographed, weirdly, very badly photographed by Henri Alacan, mm. who was the cinematographer uh, on all the Jean Cocteau films right. and is a master cinematographer. His last film was Wings of Desire. Mm-hmm. And it's it looks terrible. Wow. It looks terrible. Um, and it's and it's uh, boring. <laughs> like like the things happening in it are yeah. are really not interesting. Burgess Meredith plays an incredibly racist judge, and he is chewing scenery that hasn't even been built yet mm-hmm. for this thing. It's oh my god! It's it's frustratingly terrible to watch. It's like they went, uh, you know, why racism happens is because people are bad. Yeah. Now let's try to find the people who are the worst bad people and show you why racism is bad. And it's like none of it makes any sense through mm. the lens of today. And I suspect not through the lens of 50 years ago either when this movie came out the exact same year as In the Heat of the Night. Right. And was, of course, roundly dismissed mm-hmm. in comparison to that. It's it's considered to be the beginning of the very end for Preminger as a credible director. Uh, and well-deserved. Sure. He has lost his shit by the time this movie comes out. It's not good. Wow, yeah. that's terrific. Yeah. She's fine at it. Okay. She's a little lost. Yeah. And I think that's, I, I want to not blame her. I think that's primarily a function of Preminger not knowing how to direct actors anymore. He doesn't seem to be much interested in it. Right. So. And I mean, I, you know, it was interesting going into this show realizing that really, in terms of viewable content, Diane Carroll's, you know, bastion of strength was television. Right. Like we were going to do right. movies, and right. she obviously had some great movie roles, yeah. but TV is sort of where she is well, primarily yeah. known from. And I think also, you know, the, the, the there's a couple things about that. I think it, it's always, um, there's always a, a built-in difficulty with seeing enough work by people who came up at a time when their very existence worked against them in mm-hmm. getting work, right? So there's just less to choose from. Of course. And... Yeah, it does make sense that it would track to TV more just because uh, the small stakes of the small box means more experimentation, more firsts can happen there first. For sure. Right. And speaking of small stakes and experimentation, I'd be remiss as a uh, very passionate Star Wars fan if I did not mention that Diane Carroll is a part of the Star Wars family, thanks to her appearance in the 1978 television yes, movie. in the Holiday the Star special. Star Wars Holiday Special. Yes. Where she plays a hologram porn star. That Chewbacca's father watches for erotic entertainment and sings Wait, him a little what? song. Yeah. Does Chewbacca's father jack off? Well, I mean, there's. It's obviously <laughs> not explicit because it was primetime television. Why would that even but, come into it? I don't understand that special or what it's yeah, supposed it's, to be. Yeah, it's, it's madness. The, yeah. the strong implication in the special is that he is meant to watch it as one would browse a Playboy magazine. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, and I mean, it's really just, it's a very flimsy plot set up for Diane Carroll to do a song, which is what because a variety special was. Special, yeah, I mean, it's right. a variety okay. special, so yeah. whatever. But yeah. yeah, it's a fucking, I mean, look, man, that <laughs> fucking thing is one incredibly weird experience, but yeah. I, I really. Was that where, that's where Boba Fett came from. Yeah, well, right? that's what I was going to say. There's really only two things about it that I consider 
that I enjoy watching over again. Yeah. One is obviously the Boba Fett animated section, but the other one is actually her part because I think that is the weirdest part of the show, and her song's nice, and she's yeah. you know, I mean, yeah. it's 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 yeah. it's fine. Yeah. Did um, you watch any uh, clips or episodes of Dynasty? I watched some clips. I did not watch any episodes. My God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tremendous. I love so those. That's like a, a certainly a passion of mine was those kind of. I love Dynasty. I did not like Dallas. Oh really? Uh, My house I, was more of a Dallas house. Yeah, I could not really figure out what mm-hmm. Dallas's deal was exactly. I, <laughs> I really liked Dynasty. Know. It made sense to me. Uh, but yeah, but that but that show and the sort of uh, novel uh, book equivalents of shows like that, like like trashy novels in the eighties. That's yeah. my jam. Sure, man. that was super fun. Yeah, yeah. man. Yeah, great stuff. Oh, it's great. <laughs> I love that they got her and and uh, and Joan. Uh, Crawford. Uh, cr- not Crawford. Sorry, no. Uh, Crawford? <laughs> Jesus, she would have been a thousand. Yes. Well, that would have been fine, too. Yeah. Anyway, Collins. Joan Collins. John Collins. Thank you Joan very Collins. much. Yeah. yeah. To fight against Joan each other Collins. and scratch each other's eyes out. Yeah, and, man. That's yeah. what made that show fun. It was great. Uh, okay. Well, look it. Uh, that's it for uh, Diane Carroll for now. Uh, next month, as uh, you alluded to earlier, we're going to be discussing the work and career of actor Robert Forster, who passed yeah. away quite sadly at the beginning of this month as well. And weirdly, on the day of the release of the Breaking Bad movie. So, like, I literally watched the movie. You saw him. Yeah. He's Kill it. wonderful in that oh movie. Oh, my God. It's even better than in the previous movie. Yeah, He's absolutely. Really He's just movie. fucking terrific. He has yeah. a, a an incredible, there's an incredible turn written around his performance in his scene yeah. where you're just like, well, shit. That's how you do that. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he was obviously very top of mind and then like four hours later you found out that he died. So he's uh, he's going to be our November uh, episode. Also want to say that this is our 25th episode of Death, Death Watch. So thank you all very much for going along with us all this time. It's really nice of you. And uh, we will catch up with you next month unless one of us dies. <laughs>